0: folks, welcome to the Creative Language Learning Podcast with Kirsten Amers. Hello, everybody, and welcome to the Creative Language Learning Podcast episode 12. So we're having a fantastic start into 2015 today. And first of all, let me take a second to wish you guys, no matter whether you're counting in uh, the Russian calendar or the Christian calendar I guess it's called um, to wish you guys a happy new year welcome to 2015 and to podcast de Dviernazat I think that's how you say number 12. (laughs) Today, uh, I've got loads of stuff for you, as always. um, And we're going to try and keep it reasonably short. But there are a few announcements I want to make at the start. Um, First of all, it's 2015. Welcome. And make this a year of learning. You're going to be
1: awesome.
0: Number two. Chris and I, my podcast guests, are running a very, very special event on the 30th of January and you are so invited and I really, really want you to come and join our free event. It's going to be amazing, Um, I hope, (laughs) it's called the Language Book Club. So if you like languages and you like reading, which you might do, and you are setting yourself a language learning challenge for 2015, you're ready to ramp up and get speaking then join us for this one day event it's literally going to be running morning to evening featuring the best language bloggers out there and we've got some great authors Um, so if you want to learn a new language soak up the expert knowledge on learning and just grab the discounts that everybody is throwing at us on their books I mean we have a deal on this that most of us are most people are discounting by 80 percent So you guys just rock up on the day and check out all of our links and get the bargains. If nothing else, you know, just come for two seconds, get the bargains. The event doesn't require you to leave your house. All you need to be is on the Facebook or on Twitter. Um, And you can find out all about it on languagebookclub.com. Can't wait to see you there. And then finally, I just wanted to... Number three, ask you guys a little, little favor. Please take, I've been doing a lot of learning about how to make a podcast and how to be good at podcasts, etc. If you are also a fellow podcaster and you're interested, The Podcast Method is an awesome, awesome podcast to be listening to. And I've learned so much about iTunes reviews and if I haven't got any iTunes reviews, that basically no one's ever going to come and listen to the Creative Language Learning Podcast. But I know you are listening. So if you are listening now, please, please, I know every single podcast says this, but I'm saying it now. Please come and review my podcast on iTunes. Jeez, give it a star if, if it's so bad. But, you know, whatever it is... <laughs> Please just take the time, it makes a massive difference, it's the only way anyone's ever going to see this. End of announcement. (laughs) And this is all I wanted to tell you about, and you're not missing out on the article of the week or the tips, because they're all going to be covered between me and Chris, who we are switching to right now. Alright, okay, well I'm just going to get started and say welcome to my guest for episode 12. 12th of the Creative Language Learning Podcast, and that is Chris Braholm. Do I say your name right, Chris?
1: Yeah, that's perfect.
0: Thank <laughs> you. Because <laughs> you, you have a... What is that letter called? You've got an O with a little slash through it.
1: Uh, no, no, I don't actually, but it's a very weird combination of letters that doesn't really exist anywhere. I haven't seen it before.
0: Oh, right. Oh, no, I thought... Oh. Now, now I'm disappointed.
1: <laughs> I'm, Sorry it's, to disappoint.
0: Yeah. For for you podcast readers who haven't heard of Chris before, Chris is Danish. Um, and in Denmark, they have a letter that we haven't got in Germany, um, which is the O with a slash through it. And I don't even know what that letter is called. But I'm so excited every time I see it. I want to learn how to pronounce it. It's it's an <laughs> O, oh, isn't it?
1: Yeah. It's like, ooh. Ooh but it changes a bit depending on you know danish has like 20 different vowel sounds so it has a few different permutations
0: Wowser! ah and what is a what is a word that you can that we can all learn that has got the er in it
1: well you can say bread that's brød <laughs> <laughs> yeah <laughs> pretty good it's
0: brilliant okay uh, <laughs> And, and here we go. As we know, this is a language learning podcast and Chris is actually a fellow podcaster. So um, if you want to just introduce yourself and talk about your own podcast for a second, that will introduce people very nicely.
1: Yeah, definitely. i um, been doing the actual fluency podcast for about 46 weeks now and interviewed about 40 uh, language learners and polyglots. And I just try to give inspiration on a, it's a weekly podcast. So every Friday at 8 p.m. European Central Time, it goes out. And my vision was that people who are sitting in the books, you know, every day learning languages, they could listen to a new episode and be like, ah, that's so inspirational and and keep going. Or maybe learn some new methods or any kind of sort of motivational or inspirational techniques that could come up during an interview with people who have tried to learn lots of languages and succeeded in them and I was always fascinated by that and that's why I created it about yeah four or six weeks ago so
0: Uh and how was your I understand that you've basically just finished the first season as you call it so how did that go for you
1: well, it's been it's been amazing, you know. As uh, with everything, there's always a a ride. It's uh, it, it starts very slowly. I think the only download in, in the first month was myself and and maybe one friend. But you know, now it's getting downloaded uh, about seven thousand times a month. So I'm very pleased with that. And as you alluded to, the first season is is ending with the fiftieth episode. I thought that would be a nice uh, episode to end the first season on. And I'll have a very mm-hmm. special guest on. And we'll have some fun and talk about you know sort of what's happened in the last year and and what what's been going on, and then I'll go into season two.
0: Mm-hmm. And what I really like about your podcast actually is is that. Not only does Chris have a wonderful voice for podcasting, I really, really like listening <laughs> to your voice. Um, oh, thank you. <laughs> but also you're, you're really thoughtful and I love the way that you, you get yourself really interested in every single one of your guests, which is a, which is a key part, I think, of podcasting because you've got to care about the people that you talk to. But what do, you, what do you find so inspirational about the people? Is it always the same thing that fascinates you or is it different?
1: It's definitely different every single time, Uh, like every person is different. And, you know, I'll I'll usually invite people based on what I find interesting about them and have that as sort of the main topic. Like I had somebody called Leszek on and he was doing uh, memorize for about, I mean, probably six or eight hours a day.
0: Yeah, I remember that guy. And
1: I, I just had to talk to him like, how on earth can you even do this? And that was sort of my my entry towards him because, you know, the ability to being able to just grind, I would almost call it, you know, just put in so much time is something that not many people have. I, I definitely don't have it. You know, I get bored after doing something for just 20 minutes maybe. So I was very interested in, in that. And then some people, you know, might be able to read a book after just learning the language for a month. And some people... watch movies and some people like do shadowing and stuff and this it's definitely interesting parts from from every single aspect of of the learning process and that's all that also keeps the show fresh for me because not one not two episodes are the same and everyone has their own opinion you can ask somebody oh what do you think of flashcards and one guy is going to be like oh my god it's the best thing since you know baked bread and the next guy is like eh, it's a bit boring I prefer to just read and engage with the content so mm. that's also nice to get the the different opinions
0: yeah definitely and the the other thing that I really like and I think that you'll find that I find quite interesting about you is that you really really approach this not from the point of view like I think a lot of uh, language bloggers do and I do this too because I teach language so i see people learning all the time um and what i do is kind of go well guys here's here's how i think this should work you know so i am I guess, a little bit prescriptive. I'm a little bit bossy. Whereas what you do in your podcast is you are so interested just in how other people do it. And it always feels like <laughs> you come away and you're like, oh, I'm going to try this. I'm going to try this. So I, I really, really like that. And um, from that, really, the question, do you see yourself as a, a learner or somebody who's, who's sharing sort of, you know, like where, where do you see yourself on the spectrum, learner or teacher?
1: I would say that I'm definitely a learner. And the reason I said that is because one of the main reasons for starting the podcast was that I was, it was basically a research mission because I wanted to learn languages. I mean, I had this goal of learning 10 foreign languages in 10 years. And I was like, I need to get some information. I mean, information is everything. And I was like, how can I get people who are extremely knowledgeable about learning a language and have them answer my specific questions? and the way it was through the podcast so it was like you know of course i i set myself in the position of every learner so the information is universally applicable for anyone but it was a, i mean part of it was definitely selfish in the beginning that i wanted i just wanted information so as a learner and i think that's one of the strengths of the show is that i am a learner and everything i hear on the show and every discussion we have i use that to develop my own learning method to like you know and I it, it is a problem at times and I think it's, it, we should put in a little caution here because the problem of of listening to say 50 different people talking about learning languages is that you're likely to get maybe 30 or 40 different methods and if you just every week change your method or you never really know what's going to work for you long term and you never really get enough study time in to be efficient I feel like so whilst it is great to get all that information and I I suffer totally from this uh, information overload where I just try every single method mm-hmm. and I end up sort of in a roundabout way instead of just saying okay I'm going to focus on this method and just try it but then you talk to somebody like you know I recently had somebody called Robin on and he was like totally into reading and I asked him so how much how many flashcards do you do? he was like haven't done flashcards in a year, Uh, okay. And he got fluent in French, like native level French. I mean, not not C2 maybe, but definitely C1. I mean, he did a video and he had an amazing level of French in just a year and he didn't even use any flashcards. So that kind of, you know, that was kind of a light bulb moment for me going like, huh, maybe I should do more reading. <laughs> and then I talked to, you know, the guys from Memrise, somebody like Ed Cook. the He was a memory grandmaster or whatever they call it. And he was, like, talking about the benefits of learning flashcards. And it's like, oh, yeah, I should really do more flashcards. So you can see how it can pull me in different directions. But it's hopefully, or at least my vision is that by getting all the information, I can sort of assimilate and make my own method at the end that's tailored yeah. perfectly to me. And that's sort of my uh, vision for the listeners as well.
0: That's always what I advise people to do. And I I mean, I often struggle. And that's partly why Fluent, when you look at it, doesn't really contain a lot of technical uh, podcast, technical articles (laughs) in that sense where I kind of say, oh, here is the winning method of using flashcards or something like that. And even in the books I've written, which obviously have to have step by step content in them, I, I still I still want to make sure. I I'm so strongly believed that there is such a a risk in feeling like you're doing it wrong, (laughs) and you just can't do it wrong. You just as long as you're learning a language, uh, you're not doing it wrong. You know, you're doing it end off. You're just doing it, and if you're doing it, you're not doing it wrong. So whether you use a flashcard or use a book or use a podcast or use a god knows what, uh, it it really doesn't matter. It really doesn't matter, and you're still counting as learning i mean i i struggle with my um language learning identities as much as the next person considering i've not really i said something in russian like two weeks ago which yeah. was which was and that was it
1: mm-hmm.
0: um <laughs> <but> <laughs> does that make me a russian learner <laughs> but um you know I, and then i wanted to say for you so now i've learned how to say for you so my pace of Russian learning has slowed down to I learn something once every 6 months when there's a Russian <laughs> person telling me what to say.
1: D- right.
0: I'm still I guess a Russian learner of yeah. sorts, but and, and and this is the thing, but I don't compare myself to somebody who has like this proper routine going. Yeah. Whereas I guess, you know, in French, I'm a little bit more like I was listening to a podcast in French this morning and I still kind of keep myself up to date because my French is just, it's just way better because I used to be in school um, and used to go to university and do French there. But what I found really interesting is just really this sort of what you were saying that you can, you, you can get too much advice and it's really important to remind people that you Oh, to to me, it's really important to remind people that they should just do whatever they want.
1: Yeah, definitely.
0: And as long as you're doing it, yeah, it's just you just can't. As long do as you're doing
1: wrong. something, it's it's a you're doing something right. Yeah. Uh, I would add to that that it it what I mean when I say information overload is I don't think there's such a thing as information overload for learning languages. What I mean is if you act on every information you get. That's when it becomes problematic for me because I think it's definitely possible to study a new method every week just getting the information because you can always use that to you know in your daily learning anyway. but the problem is if you every single week hear it of a new method and then change from your current habit or what you're doing then, I think that's when it becomes sort of problematic because you're almost you're relearning a habit mm-hmm. and habits take a long time to form and yeah if you disrupt your sort of your rhythm i just think you you lose a lot of time so so what i would recommend is simply you know listen and sort of get the information but be very very selective with what you actually apply and don't apply like 10 different concepts at once either you know at once either you have to kind of Take one at a time and, and and you have to use it for a while as well because it, just because you opened up Asimil and read the first chapter and you didn't like it or you feel felt like you didn't get anything out of it, it doesn't mean that that method doesn't work for you at all. I mean, you have to work on it a little bit at least to see okay, it's getting better or, okay, it's the same, so I'll, I'll change my method. But yeah. at least have an open mind, I find.
0: That, there is definitely an illusion that, that, you know, if you find the next method, you're going to find the one that's easy. Right. <laughs> it's like, nah, probably not. Just, you know, just whatever you do, just do it. And, right. um, you know, I'm going to give everybody a main, a major, major secret of language learning now, which is it's really slow. So, ah. yeah. <laughs> I don't know. or it well,
1: Take your time. Yeah. Uh, that's why. That's why I would say, um, uh, you know, we often look at the people who are incredibly successful at language learning and can do it very quickly. Somebody like Benny Lewis, who consistently produced very good results in just three months. Yeah. But the but point is that when you're you spend on your twentieth
0: so m- language, it's so much easier. Yeah,
1: exactly. And you know, if you have, if that's your day job as well, you have so many hours to allocate to it. It needs some discipline still anyway, but the problem is if you haven't learned a foreign language yet and you compare yourself to Benny who's on his, you know, like you say, 20th, uh, the timing is just not going to be there. It, you know, take your time, try to make it fun, and just keep going. <laughs> <Excellent>. <laughs> you know, these are universal concepts.
0: Indeed, indeed. Um, let me just go back to when you said you wanted to learn four languages in 10 years. No,
1: 10, 10.
0: 10 languages in – I know, 10 languages in – Ten years or in four years?
1: Yeah, there are ten languages in ten years, yeah. What have
0: I written down here, four languages in ten years? Come on, loser. Right, okay, no ten, la- <laughs> <laughs> ten languages in ten, ten languages. Where did that come from? What gave you that idea? Where does that inspiration come from? How old were you when you had that idea?
1: <laughs> I think it was from uh, this year. So <laughs> no, sorry, we just started a new year, didn't we? So last year, uh-huh. uh, but um, I just, I, I figured out I wanted to do language learning and kind of do it, really seriously and then I think having a, a long term goal is quite important to stay focused and I was thinking about what's realistic and I think that uh, there's a guy called um, he has a blog called yearly Clot. Uh, I think he's called Randy something I'm not sure but one of the concepts I really enjoyed about the yearly Glock concept is that a year is a really long time to really get into a language, particularly if it's if it's a uh, one that's related to one of your uh, current languages. And I figured that by by the time I added a few languages. I would speed up the process even even more. Not not because I wanted to speed it up, but just simply like you say, you get better. You get experience and methods and you just know what works. Mm-hmm. So I figured that ten languages in ten years would be quite realistic. And if everything else fails, I'll just say it wasn't ten new ones, it was ten total. <laughs> yeah, that's <laughs> um, true. So um yeah, that's where it came from. It's it's very recent and I think having that long-term goal helps me helps me focus. I didn't have it before, before I was like Mm, I'll just learn languages, and we'll see what happens.
0: And where are you up to?
1: Um, well, how,
0: how do you know when, like, you go? Okay, right, this is the next one now. Do you go like just? Oh, I'm just gonna do this for a year, and then I'm gonna change to the next one.
1: Mm, I think it's very on a language to language basis. Uh-huh. Uh, I'm working on Russian now, and I'm yeah. hitting the. I think I just hit the ten month mark, and I can have pretty good conversations now in Russian. So I feel like in two months time, I'll be at a level where I can enjoy native material and sort of progress from that stage. And then I can begin learning another language because it's such a different level. Mm-hmm. Um so it's very it's a very fluid sort of uh, <laughs> uh, strategy. It's not very fixed. I hate the people who are like, I'm going to learn I don't hate them. That's a very strong word, but I, I, I dislike. Uh, <laughs> we don't people...
0: hide anybody here. <laughs>
1: exactly. We're welcoming
0: right. and integrational.
1: That's not I- a word. Integrational, yeah. Um, I just, I just dislike having time goals because languages are not really. You can't really systematize it like that, you know. Mm-hmm. And there's such a big difference. For instance, I found learning Russian to be quite complicated. And I also it was also my first sort of independently learned foreign language, so I was not doing as much as I could have done.
0: That's really hard, I think
1: it, it, yeah, it, it is. and especially and when
0: you enjoy formal education, and I really do. <laughs> you know I always really liked school and university and stuff. So teaching myself a language, I'm like, "Oh boring it's right. it's hard.
1: it's really hard and and the hardest part is the beginning because you just you're just not understanding anything, and you're like, "How can I keep going?" and i think that's where most people fail as well they do it for a few weeks until the novelty wears off and then they just give up because they realize they can't do anything in the language mm. and for me that was definitely what happened in russian i would say for the first 6 or 7 months i did very very little because i, I just didn't feel like it it wasn't i wasn't feeling like i was using the language uh-huh. and then i just i just realized you know i made this goal i made the commitment I have spent seven months on paper, not necessarily time-wise, but I need to take this seriously. And what changed everything for me was hiring a tutor uh, from italki, or italki, uh, some people call it. Other websites uh, are available? Yeah, there are. <laughs> there are other websites as well. I love italki because it's so uh, inexpensive, and I've had incredible luck with the tutors I've had there. But mm. the point was that by having a weekly... Tutoring session. I had an anchor point I could sort of work towards, and then I just started doing flashcards like crazy, and I got up to about a thousand words vocabulary, and I think that's a very good stepping stone to continue onto other methods. Of course, flashcards are mm-hmm. never bad, but and and for me, then it just propelled. So I would say in the last five months, or maybe even four months, I probably learned, yeah, I've learned way more than I did in the first seven, yeah. six, seven because i just i just discovered sort of how to learn and for me it was always having that help of a tutor to have something every week to focus on
0: i think that's really important to just and and also to to remind people that you're not if you if you're not a born autodidact and you do want that external you know, you do reach out to other people, no matter if it's a tutor or a group or, a, you know, like a class or, what, you know, whatever it is, um, that's probably part of your personality and doesn't make you a loser. Um, I think yep. that's really important to emphasize. What I find interesting about the 10 languages in 10 years is is you will, and just, just, a, just a thought, it might be that sort of seven, eight years into it, you find that adding a new language becomes way easier, but keeping them apart or mm-hmm. maintaining levels, that's gonna take more and more time. I mean for me, my fifth fifth, I think, language that I added was Spanish, which is like, oh my god, this is so easy now. It was so because <laughs> I'd done Italian and Latin and French and yeah. English. So you know like it to be honest, those four so much more useful than german for learning spanish (laughs) which is my native language but spanish then just was like ah yeah you know eh." all of it was like i totally get how this grammar works i totally get where these words are coming from i totally get the pronunciation um a lot of the pronunciation logic is the same as in italian even though you you make a different sound but the places in the words and the letters where you have to consider the sounds same. So it was just like, I can totally do this. It was so easy. (laughs) But you know, this is 10 years ago, 15. Oh my God. I'm sold. Okay. 15 years ago. (laughs) Talk, talk Spanish to me now. I'm going to talk Italian. Try, let me, make me try and I, I tried to type an Italian email this morning, just a tiny bit. Like I wanted to say next week I wrote it in Spanish. (laughs) Because <laughs> I actually don't know how to write it in Italian. And it's kind of, you know, in my head, they're just like the same thing now. And that's something that perhaps sort of seven or eight years in, you might notice as well, where you go, oh, God, which language am I even using now?
1: Yeah, definitely. I think there's always a, there's always a risk of, of interference. But isn't and that
0: exciting? What a great problem to have. Yeah, it's
1: a, bit <laughs> a luxury problem. Yeah, I know. And I also think that um, the thing is, once you've learned a language to quite a high level, the let's say a B2, A C one I think it's always in there somewhere. So, I mean, that's the the how the brain works. It's a fabulous invention, isn't it? That it's really, really hard to delete something from your permanent, you know, a long-term memory. It mm-hmm. might not be available to sort of uh, retrieve it at, at any given time. No, but it but it if you back. spend a week with a tutor or something in Spanish, I'm sure your level would, would soar back to maybe not exactly where you used to be, but you would have a high level of the language. Yeah, definitely. Band. So I'm very positive about it. And like you say, it's a a luxury problem, and uh, I'll definitely once the maintenance stages kind of have uh, start happening, which which is soon, I guess, with if I switch from Russian in during uh, this year. But then I will try and get somebody like Luca or Richard or you know some of these guys who have so many languages and they maintain them very well, and I'll ask them on the podcast specifically. I have trouble with my, with retaining my German, Uh, Richard, what do I do? And, and then we'll take it from there. I think, um, you know, different problems for different phases. And I think that you definitely have a point there. But and in a way, it's a, it's sort of a, it's a weird thing to make a goal that's 10 years long, because you don't know what happens after five, or even after three, you know, you might, you might find that you, it's so easy that, 10 might have been too easy (laughs) or you know you find that your brain is exploding after 3 or 4 so
0: apparently that's a very uh, European German and Danish probably a viewpoint to go (laughs) well I don't know if I can really stick to this plan I must stick to this plan because now I've made it and actually what matters is the inspiration and the vision that you have which is is a wonderful vision to have so yeah forget 4 languages we're going to do 10 awesome yeah,
1: it's a nice number too. Yeah,
0: for me, maintaining my French has been, um, and, and I finished my last ever formal education in French was in two thousand and six, um, and I did Rosetta. I you know did sort of played around with Rosetta a little bit um, for the blog because I was reviewing it, and they've got this sort of self assessment test, and I still come out as a, a C one B two user of French. Um, and b- b- exactly. because, because I didn't want to drop below C really, um, even though I, I find level thinking very, you know, it, it can cause you problems, but <laughs> yeah. that's a whole different discussion. But, you know, so because I didn't, because I, I knew I wanted to get more comfortable with it, let's just say it like that. Um, cause I can, you know, I can ramble on in French for ages, but I know I'm not that good and I wanted to get better again. Um, and for me, what made a huge difference was, uh, just downloading a few podcasts and literally it didn't matter what exactly I did. It was just putting myself back in contact with it. Yeah. So no matter if I read or I listened, didn't make a difference. And this year I, um, I've just written about this long train journey we take every year. And when, when I was in Belgium, the train lady came and I had to explain to her stuff about our tickets and I totally switched into French so much more easily than I ever have done in the last five years. Yes, so It was just you. You are so right. It's it's always there. It's always there in the back of your mind.
1: Really. Yeah. As long as you get to a sort of a comfortable level, I would say, mm-hmm. uh, I I wouldn't worry at all. But uh, if you if you let's say learn three hundred words of vocabulary and have trouble speaking it. It might be hard for the brain to turn it into a language in your long-term memory. I don't know. I I have no idea about it, but I could imagine that you need at least some level before it's it's lodged in there. It's like riding a bike, isn't it? You know, if you can only barely ride the bike, then a few years later and you haven't ridden it, then you're probably going to fail. But <laughs> if you can write it quite comfortably, then, <laughs> you know, you can probably do it again in a few years' time.
0: Yeah, yeah, definitely. Right, one last, um, before, before we talk about this article that, that I'm quite excited about, um, mm-hmm. just one recommendation. If somebody also finds that they want to learn a language by themselves and they're a little bit intimidated and entirely facing a new language, I had this awesome, awesome book and I really want to recommend it. It's called Russian in 10 Minutes a Day. And there are... Hebrew, Norwegian, French, German, lots of 10 minutes a day books available. They're not very expensive. Um, They're very simple and friendly. Um, They're not really linguistics focused at all. And they're quite good to sort of build up. They're quite traveler focused as well. So they've got sort of (laughs) a sample menu. What I really like about these books, I keep recommending them, is they come with little stickers that you can stick up around your house, (laughs) labeling things in your house, and they come with pre-made flashcards.
1: That's and nice, and
0: yeah. the CD-ROM. So there's just a lot of different methods and it's quite a playful, it's aimed at adults, but it has that playful thing that we see with children. And I just, I'm just in love with these. They're so good. Christine Kershaw is the lady who writes them. And I'm going to put it in the, the Les Show Notes.
1: Les Show Notes. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Les Show
0: Notes.
1: <laughs> That's great.
0: Because <laughs> I speak French, you know. Yeah, of course. Yeah. <laughs> Right, <laughs> moving on to our article of the week. And that was taken from the Fair Languages blog. And I found it really, really interesting. And this talks about everybody's favorite little, what can we call it? Everybody's favorite waste of time? That's not fair. Owl. Everybody's favorite owl <laughs> talks about Duolingo. Duolingo, if you have been living under a language learning rock, is um, an app and web app. So you can download it onto your iPhone, Android, or whatever you're using, or you can use it on the web and it teaches you a language for free forever and keeps adding new languages um, and is this sort of teach yourself gamified system. Um, for learning a foreign language. And Duolingo in the last year as a company, because so I I've kind of kept an eye on this from the start. So this article talks about Duolingo f- as a company, from a company perspective. Um, and the way that they offer quite a really high level of user experience and education for free, without any hidden costs, without any advertisements, is that they have, from day one, asked their users to help them h- translate the internet, as they call it. So mm-hmm. Duolingo, Duolingo's business model has, has involved um, now um, generating income in various different ways. Number one, they have launched a test center where you can pay a little bit of money to get a certificate to say, um, I have taken this Duolingo course and I am now good at this language. Um, Number two, they are launching Duolingo for schools um, and they're getting venture capital like a lot of tech companies do. Um, And number three is they're selling the translations that people have contributed for free. Um, So, God, where do I start with this? I'm just going to run through my quote. What did you make of the article, Chris? Let's start with that.
1: Um... It's a, first of all, I think it's a very interesting article and I, I, I want to commend you for for choosing it as, as the kind of a discussion because it's, it's very sort of, yeah, it's very interesting because if you look at it from the language learner point of view, it's really a nice service, I think. Um, I have to preface it by saying I haven't used it very extensively because all the languages that it had I, I wasn't really interested in at the time. Uh, so I've only sort of, Tried a little bit with German just to, um, yeah, just see what it's about. And I think that the general perception of Duolingo is that it's quite good and it's free. And what's the last bit? Uh, oh yeah, it's like uh, gamified, so mm-hmm. it's very motivational to see your points go up. You can use it on the on the go. So I would say on a on a general level, I, I am an advocate for for Duolingo. And I think that the sort of the negative aspects which are sort of subtly brought up here as, uh, you know, like they're selling the translations. It doesn't really bother me that much. Mm. I mean, if if that's what it costs for me to potentially learn, you know, uh, nine languages or, well, maybe not learn the languages, but definitely learn a lot in the languages, then that's a price I'm, I'm definitely happy to pay. yeah.
0: It's interesting that you're calling it a. Oh God! I, I say it's interesting on this podcast a thousand times. By the way, it, <laughs> I will correct my microphone technique there. But it is uh, fascinating <laughs> that, that you're calling it a negative aspect. I think that's really interesting because um I think as a user, I have right from the start of Duolingo, I've always sort of had in the back of my mind, hmm, how, do, how are they making money? It's mm-hmm. always interested me. Um So in my mind, this I do have this. In the back of my mind, the, the thought, there is no such thing as a free lunch. So we knew, we knew they had to raise money somehow because they, yeah. they can give it to us for free. But that doesn't mean Duolingo is, you know, they, they have to get money to do it from somewhere, which is entirely justified. Um, and so as a user, would you be bothered that Duolingo is selling your free contribution, your free effort? They're selling it to CNN and BuzzFeed, for example, have been named here.
1: No, it doesn't bother me personally. Mm -hmm. Uh, There is, I mean, there is a slight problem with potentially not letting the users know. Like, if the users don't know that it's happening, I think it's slightly worse. But I haven't actually seen the. I mean, I definitely didn't see any warnings when I was doing it. Well, who reads
0: small print ever? Yeah,
1: (laughs) that's true. That's true. But I think, on the whole, you're getting a a pretty good win-win situation where you're getting a lot of free language learning. And like I said, a lot of people love it, love the method, and they get a lot out of it. And, you know, the companies that sort of fund the whole thing, like CNN or, or any of these companies, they get their translations and Duolingo get their income to run the whole thing. So it's a it's a unique example of a win-win-win situation, I feel like. And mm. I guess we should just enjoy that it's possible.
0: <laughs> yeah, I mean, it's, it's entirely, as a business model, uh, definitely, the fact that the fact that they are raising money doesn't make it necessarily a negative. I I do agree with you there, and I think it's a, we uh, most people who use Duolingo are grateful for it. Uh, moving on to how people use Duolingo, I thought this was really interesting. I mean, there are the hardcore. I d- okay, I had never come across a hardcore user of any online. A gamified system until you interviewed Leszek, um, <laughs> who is completely obsessed with being on top of the leaderboard. Yeah. Um, however, most people, I think, fall into this, um, this quote that Louis von who is the founder of Duolingo, um, gives us in this in this article, which is, our users aren't hardcore, they're procrastinating, and they don't want to feel as bad, so they open our app. So it's basically, you just you know you either play spider-man or you play duolingo Mm -hmm. and really it's a game um so to to you as a serious language learning tool um and i can only ever ask this question and i don't think there's a real answer to it but i do think it's something for people to consider is duolingo a serious engagement and deliberate practice or is it a filler for empty time
1: i think it can be both Mm -hmm. and i think that the the problem with the sort of the quote here and the the way of looking at it is that most people are not very serious about learning languages, full stop. Uh, a lot of people, uh, you know, they wake up one day and they're like, "It would be nice to learn, to know French." And I mean, these are not really part of the. They don't know about the polyglot community. Maybe they don't even know the word polyglot, but they heard about French on the radio or something. They wake up and they're like, "Oh, I'm going to learn a language." They go on the App Store, download the apps, and Duolingo obviously ranks pretty highly. So I think these are probably the, uh, they make up such a large percentage of the user base that I think it's slightly unfair to generalize everyone based on that. Mm -hmm. Uh, I think that's a problem because if you compare every language learner in the world, uh, there will be, the vast majority of them will be just kind of, You know, not very serious about it in a way that they just feel like it one day and then they maybe try it for a week or two and then they give up. Mm. But they are so vast in numbers that, you know, if you took a percentage of people who are actually serious about learning languages, like really, really serious and committed, have methods, habits, and maybe even some kind of community feeling they just outnumber them so much that we it's hard to talk about the platform as a whole because it's used by both groups. Yeah. Um, but I think if you make it a daily uh, sort of investment of time, make it a habit to do half an hour of Duolingo or whatever the time commitment you have available, 20 minutes is probably good too. Uh, then I think by completing the trees, I definitely think you get a quite a good sense of the language and, um, Oh, yes. yeah, definitely is, definitely. is it procrastinating to, to open up the uh, the app while you're on the bus and you're kind of bored? Yeah, I, I would say so. But on the other hand, it's a lot better than opening up the Candy Crush or whatever games people are playing these days. Yeah, it's um, good, it's
0: filling empty time or what people consider empty time now because you, yeah. you could just relax or meditate on the bus. Um, yeah. But I think it's very interesting to be aware, again, as a user, that the way that developers profile their users is well these aren't really serious language learners Mm -hmm. most of our users which means we're probably never going to come out with this massively in-depth duolingo course and moving on from that what do you make of their test center you know what what is (laughs) what does a duolingo certificate if they're on the one hand they're saying oh our users procrastinate what what is a duolingo test certificate
1: ah this is such a hard question as well because it's so new that i mean i think People maybe people probably said the same when the TOEFL test came out. They were like, "Who needs a test for languages?" Or like, uh, "What value is this going to bring that I sh- show somebody a certificate?" So I think the value in the test center is going to be the fact that it just grows and develops into mainstream media. And if that pick gets picked up, uh, we might slowly start seeing some value to having a Duolingo language test. Uh, but as it stands now, I would, I would argue that it's pretty damn useless, uh, because it doesn't really, it's not certified in a way. Like it's, it's like if I had a language test called Chris's language test and you would pay me $20 for me to test your language. Mm -hmm. That's not really valid anywhere. I mean, that's like... As
0: a word of warning for somebody who has worked in, um, international admissions departments in, in a world leading university, um... There is a lot of stuff that people send that they think might make them stand out, but um, is often not much more used than a swimming certificate.
1: Exactly. So my point is that, as it stands now, is quite mm-hmm. yeah. Be careful, and right now it's quite useless. But I do believe that if they're stubborn enough about it and keep offering it companies might start to see the value of it if it's some kind of if it if it gets proven and enough mainstream attention yeah then i think it is it is a possibility but i would not spend any money on it now definitely i would only go for the the really high levels of certification like the toefl test or no that's for that's speaking quality right what's the other one called
0: oh the the, the toefl it? test assesses all four core skills Oh, okay, cool. Absolutely. And yes. there's one for as German as well. The
1: yes, Goethe- the good
0: certificate. There is the DAF, the DAF test, I think. Yeah, or DAF. Test, test DAF, it's called. Um, but yeah, there are many, many, many language tests. And if you are taking one in order to advance your career or go into another further education, I would strongly recommend checking with your place where you want to go right. which one they actually want to see because there are lots of different ones and there are millions of useless ones out there
1: <laughs> yeah and, and so which I, ones are recognized basically yeah
0: in- so duolingo one to watch really right I'm just going to Maybe. do um a little bit of a, it's not really an advert, because it's an advert for me, Um, but I want to celebrate the fact that I have just had my first Patreon supporter, (laughs) uh, which is the lovely Afnan Linjawi. Thank you, Afnan. And in case you don't know what Patreon is all about, um, Fluent obviously brings people monthly blog articles, and we run this podcast, which is um, a tiny one at this stage, so I run it once a month on average. Um, it's actually not a very big empire. It's a one-woman operation, so it's just me. <laughs> um, and I'm very dedicated to helping you learn languages. I can make, keep this going for ages and ages, and it could be so much better if you just help me out ever so slightly um, and keep this commercial free. I have got a lot of projects going, which include uh, more podcasts for learning new languages as well. Um, people have asked me to make a German learning podcast, and that might be one thing that is on the horizon If Patreon takes off, you can have more articles from more guest writers, full blog series. I've just ventured into travel blogging a little bit. So if you want to see me take this stuff further um, without having to pay anything for it or click on a million adverts or listen to me read out a thousand ads, what you can do is go to patreon.com, p a t r-e-o-n dot com slash fluent language and you can pledge to help me out literally any every little helps just give me a dollar and i'm going to be so grateful (laughs) and um it's the way patreon works it's an ongoing it's like an ongoing kickstarter or indiegogo um, support campaign so you can support me Um, but literally if you just want to give one dollar then you know Submit your details and cancel after one month because there is nothing stopping you from doing that, and I'm still going to be really grateful because you know I'm easily pleased and I love you guys. Uh, so, so thank you very much for that Patreon. Um, and while Chris is on the line, um, I'm also going to make you aware that if, if you're in a giving mood, which is you know it's it's nearly Christmas. Um, <laughs> if you think a month back, it's Christmas today. Um, if you're in a giving mood, you can also go to indiegogo.com slash something Chris help me out
1: oh yeah it's, uh, it's the for the upcoming season 2 of the podcast if people uh, want to see it going and I have some great uh, ideas about how to make it even better than it is now and you can contribute anything over at igg.me forward slash at forward slash af podcast I'm
0: <laughs> going to put it in the show notes as well
1: in the show notes, gonna let's I'm going to make
0: myself it. a little note here. <laughs> High-tech piece of paper that I've got.
1: You can also find the link on afpodcast.com, which is also where all the episodes are, if that's easier.
0: Yeah, so patreon.com slash language and afpodcast.com if you can spare uh, 50 euro cents to help us out and keep you entertained and talk more nonsense for you. Okay. Uh, <laughs> all right. There, now, there is a thing, Chris, isn't there, that we are doing. Um, oh, yeah, yeah. Oh, yeah, we're doing a thing.
1: <laughs> Do you
0: want to tell people about it?
1: Yes, yes, definitely.
0: Cool.
1: Yeah, on the 30th of this month, uh, January, we will be doing our first language book club event. And the language book club is basically a book club where we invite authors of language books, could be learning languages or just general language books, and we invite them to join us on Facebook. And they will discount their books, or give away free books, or give away—I don't know—T-shirts or whatever people want to give away. And then they'll hang out on Facebook and answer all questions that you, as a learner, might have for for these authors. And it's the first one, so are you excited about it?
0: I'm I'm pretty excited because we have an excellent lineup coming up. Um, really, I think there is something to be said for the variety of language book authors that we have available, because we do have the sort of books written by language bloggers, which are partly stories about, you know, how I learned uh, five languages to perfection, etc. Then we sort of have my angle, which is a little bit more uh, tutor focused, I guess. Mm -hmm. Um, So I've written two books called Fluency Made Achievable and the Vocab Cookbook. And they're a bit more step by step. Here are practical ideas of what you can do, but less of a here's why I am. You know, good at languages, mm-hmm. um, and then there are straight out textbooks that we have in there as well.
1: So yeah, there's the, language books, and and I want to also highlight the uh, the memory books. We got An- Anthony Mativia coming oh, on. Oh
0: yes, yeah.
1: And he's written like a million books about memorizing things and uh, <laughs> building uh, memory palaces. And I'm very excited to uh, to talk to him about. Uh, foreign language memory and he's gonna discount his uh, language learning uh, memory technique so i think that will be exciting as well
0: mm-hmm. oh i think i think it'll be all around exciting so just to give people an idea of who we have in the lineup um, our lineup includes chris obviously antony metivier jared rome who is uh who runs a company called speaking latino and if you've ever wanted to learn a regional Spanish dialect, particularly from Latin America. This is your guy. He Literally, he's got books about uh, Puerto Rican kid names and all that stuff. And it's a really interesting one. I've got the two girls, Anna and Natasha, from Russian Step by Step. So they actually write Russian textbooks uh, written by normal people for normal people, which I love. We've got um, the... Inimitable Benny Lewis from Fluent in Three Months. Um and G- Gabriel Okay, how do you pronounce him? Wh- Weiner. Weiner. Okay. I will keep wanting to say Wiener
1: because
0: yeah. <laughs> I am and, and that's funny because he lives in Vienna, so he is a Wiener.
1: Yeah, I love it, yeah.
0: <laughs> okay, never mind. <laughs> I hope he doesn't hear this. All right, so Gabriel Weiner from <laughs> Fluent Forever, who's who's had a very, very successful and really high highly rated book out. Um his book is um I think it's counting. 81 five star reviews on Amazon I'm always jealous
1: yeah it's crazy um, and if uh, just uh, a little side mention if if people are interested to to hear more from Gabriel I just interviewed him for the podcast so
0: you have indeed
1: exactly so if you uh, want to check that out it's episode 46 And 46 and, uh, and he, he gets into a lot of details including teaching me how to do the Russian rolled R so I think some people might find that interesting
0: Ah, yeah. And I, I never knew how to pronounce the Russian U until, you know, that, that Y thing. Yeah, U. Uh, yeah, um, I never knew how to pronounce that until a Russian lady showed me how to do it as well.
1: It's all information, right? That's yeah. how we started this podcast. And- yeah.
0: <laughs> <laughs> and I used to go to Almaty a lot, which is, um, it's in Kazakhstan. And Almaty is written with that letter at the end. And it's obviously needs to be pronounced Almaty.
1: Ah, uh, right, yeah. <laughs> which
0: I, I, <laughs> I've never ever got that right when it was like, ah, it's so nice to be an Ibati. <laughs> <laughs>
1: yeah. So, yeah. That's a weird one, yeah. yeah.
0: exactly. But, you know, no matter what you mispronounce, like we said before, as long as you're doing it, you're not doing it wrong. Yeah.
1: Um,
0: right. Then we have Becky Morales from Kid World Citizens. So it's for parents wanting to teach their kids, you know, bring up bilingual kids. Um, Ollie is with us from IWillTeachYouALanguage.com And Benjamin Hui. Hui. <laughs>
1: yeah, not sure about that one. I expected the letters to be in the other order, so it'd be like, <laughs> so it'd be like hoy, but yeah. he, I don't know how to speak it.
0: Well, we are true polyglots. Um, and Ben is from French together, so he's he's the expert on speaking French. This is the other thing I really like about the event that we've got coming up. Um, we have a Russian expert, uh, a German expert, if you count me, um, a Spanish person who's really really into spanish um and we've got a person who specializes in french as well and
1: russians yeah
0: as well as some polyglots um so people who speak lots of languages um and kind of want to be there so if you are interested in joining us for language book club and we really really want to see you there there's currently 85 people signed up for the facebook event and we can tell we can so make it to 200 with your I help. think
1: so. I'm confident. Yeah.
0: Yeah. Come on, guys. Right. You just go to languagebookclub.com and Chris has made a, an awesome website for you. Uh, and don't forget that everybody in the, everybody who is on in, involved on the day, everybody in the lineup is going to discount all of their books for you as well. So if you just want to grab a bargain and just pop in for five minutes, we will welcome you with open arms, won't we?
1: Yes, for sure. And we all love bargains, so. <laughs>
0: Yeah, yeah, I think, I think it's worthwhile, definitely. Okay, <laughs> now we are coming to the final section of the podcast. Mm-hmm. I, I talk so much nonsense on podcasts. <laughs> 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 of the podcast, which is the tips of the week. So I'm going to read you three tips and you get to choose your favorite. Mm. Okay. Tip number one, set your chosen fluency level. Instead of considering whether you want to be fluent in a language, which can be um, an overarching goal and a little bit discouraging in the long run, consider what exactly you want to be fluent for. Would you like to be travel fluent, job fluent, swimming fluent, sports fluent? Um, Whatever it is that your particular goal is set for, set your chosen fluency level and work towards that. Tip number two. Be a historical linguist. Word origins and vocab divergence can really help with remembering words, especially if you're learning a language that is similar to your native language or to one that you've learned before. Uh, If you particularly want to work around the memory and you can't remember a word, Google the word and the word etymology, E-T-Y-M-O-L-O-G-Y, and Wikipedia or similar websites are available, can tell you where that word comes from. And it can be extremely helpful with remembering it. Tip number three, sprint with the language challenge. The italki New Year's language challenge is live at the moment. It's still a little bit time to sign up, I believe. Um, And this challenges uh, language learners to take 20 language lessons in less than two months. Um, Spend 20 hours studying their target language. And you can enjoy it and go ahead with a language sprint and really push yourself for the new year. So those are our three tips. Number one, set your chosen fluency level. Number two, be a historical linguist. And number three, sprint with the language challenge.
1: Mhm. All uh, all good ones. Thank you. I, <laughs> I think um, if we have just a moment to talk about them, I think I will order them mm-hmm. sure. in my in my favorite order. And I think the best one is the first one. I think it's very hard to do any actual work in anything in life unless you have a clear idea of where you're going. It's like being on a ship without a uh, a way to steer the ship. You're kind of in the middle of the ocean, you're floating around, and if you don't know what you're working towards, it's infinitely harder to actually work. So I would say I would be very specific with my goals and for me it's usually about being able to speak it without but uh, s- you know speaking and understanding and that means you know being able to carry a conversation maybe not understand every word definitely understand the gist of sentences and be able to explain words that i don't know mm-hmm. so those are my specific uh, goals yeah um, so
0: number one set your chosen fluency level be really yeah, specific
1: yeah In know yeah be very specific and and just set your goal number one I think a lot of people just say I'm going to learn Russian and then that's it that's their goal and it's just not specific enough yeah so uh, the second one I'd say is the uh, challenge Uh, I think there's some uh, criticism and it's well directed towards uh, bursts of language challenge because it's a bit you know I, I believe personally that it's better to do a consistent small effort over a large period of time because languages take a long time to learn than it is to do these kind of a little bit uh, gimmicky sprints. Mm-hmm. But with that being said, I do find that challenges really, really boost the rest of the year. So in that way, I, I thoroughly recommend it. And I'm I'm also doing the iTalki challenge, by the way. So uh, I, I, that would be my my close second on on the tips. It's uh, it's amazing to get tutoring, and I already talked about that in uh, earlier. But it changed everything for me. So I, I hope that the listeners out there understand the value of tutoring. Yeah, definitely. Because it's not, it's not just the lessons. It's in between lessons as well. Because you want to work harder mm. in the downtime between lessons to do better in the lessons.
0: It's the accountability so, as well. Yeah,
1: for sure. Yeah, it's cause not. there
0: is somebody checking your homework every week. Uh, <laughs> yeah. think, some of my students, I suspect that helps.
1: Yeah, oh, for sure. I mean, my <laughs> Russian tutor is giving me, you know, a video to watch 15 minutes and yeah. some questions I have to answer. And if I don't do that, I'm going to feel so guilty and the lesson is just going to be meh. So I know that I have to uh, really do the homework and, and do it well. Yeah. And the, the third one, which was really the second one, is the be a historical linguist, I know some people geek out a lot about language learning and they want to really know very technical stuff. Mm-hmm. Uh, also some people really enjoy going in depth with grammar. I, I personally don't enjoy that too much. I prefer a sort of a, a practical approach where what's the minimum I need to know to do to do it correctly? And the the idea of of using etymology to remember words, not one that I'm particularly um familiar with or uh, you know re- I don't really know how that would work so that's why I have to put it at the end because I'm just unfamiliar with it and mm-hmm. I think it's a, it's a, it's a bit of a, a roundabout way
0: Interesting yeah yeah
1: I think that you learn when you learn words in a language you understand how the language is built up and a, la- a language like Russian for instance is very systematic so once you learn more words you will understand why they look like they look Uh, like uh, an an example and this possibly shows the strength of this is the Russian word for agricultural is right and I, the pronunciation might not be uh, perfect, but it's a very long word. And when you see it in Memorize, you had to drag the little bar to read the rest of it. <laughs> and okay. it's simply built up of Selska, which is like rural. Yeah. And Hases is like economical. Mm-hmm. And Vini is simply the you know the uh, adjective ending. So... Yeah. If you know that, knowing that word is not very difficult, even though it's ridiculously long and possibly impossible to pronounce. But I still remember it, and I haven't reviewed my flashcards in weeks. So there is some power to the related words uh, method yeah. for sure.
0: Yeah, definitely. It's it's interesting because I would have I would have put that one a lot higher because that's how I. Do it. I end up nerding out and getting quite, get quite <laughs> excited about. Oh yeah, it's like that word in Spanish. Oh <laughs> yeah. The, I mean, we've when I was a guest on your podcast, uh, number god knows what forty. Five, 42 six, two. maybe yeah <laughs> when I was a guest on your podcast um, I, we, we briefly talked about Latin I was kind of saying oh Latin is so good yeah um, and I think that's that's why you know if you're a nerd you'll like exactly. this one if you're not a nerd and you're a normal person like Chris then you, you're gonna <laughs> you're still gonna like it but there's better things to spend your time on okay yeah, you
1: could right. also use it for flashcards uh, you can also like, use
0: it for flashcards, definitely Yeah, yeah. because
1: like uh, Gabriel in, uh, in his Fluent Forever book He recommends putting as much information On the backside of the flashcards as you can mm-hmm. Uh, mm-hmm. That, uh, you know uh, Helps you remember it I He does, he does recommend agree
0: more. Yeah,
1: yeah so if you're, if you're Doing your own flashcards and you put a lot of work Into making some really good And extensive ones, then something like Where the word comes from or possibly familiar Words is something that will definitely You know, help
0: yeah, what um, I wrote about this in the vocab cookbook a little bit as well. And the idea really is one of creating, instead of creating a word that you want to remember, you want to create a vocab unit. Mm-hmm. so that what you're remembering is more connected stuff um and that way you are you build more pathways in your brain yeah. and basically more little anchors so it can stick and that's how the word becomes sticky so it's really build a vocab unit rather than just a word because if it's just a word out of with no context at all you're so much more likely to forget it it's Definitely. it's 30 seconds more effort when you have to when you're first making a flashcard or if you don't work with flashcards, you're first writing it down or just even thinking about it. But Mm -hmm. it's going to save you like hours in the future of just remembering that word. And it'd be so good.
1: Yeah. I have a tip for you. If you're really into the nerdy things and you like Russian, uh, there are books published that list every single uh, ethics for Russian that is available. And that Mm -hmm. that means that you you can learn basically how to build your own words and it works fantastically well for Russian. I mean, I've done it many times where I didn't know a word, but I possibly knew an affix or I knew the other word, or the other form of the of the word, and I just guessed and I was correct because I had some knowledge about the affixes. And you can, I, I borrowed two books on on the library, and they're fairly dated books. I'm sure you'd be able to find them anywhere. Sort of, I think they're released by some university professor somewhere in America. And you can simply look up every simple single affix that, and it will tell you what it means, and it will give you some examples to anchor it in as well.
0: Ah. Can you well just uh, let me know the website and I'm going to put it in the show notes as well, and then people
1: can. I don't it. know if there's a website, but if you search okay. for Russian affixes on Amazon, I'm sure you'll find right. uh, at least one of the books.
0: Look that up and put it in the show notes as well for you guys, because because yeah, interesting.
1: Yeah, if I you do, really I, like, I do really out. like my uh, quick
0: study <laughs> grammar sheet, which is kind of a similar way of, and you know, as a German, and obviously we build words in a very consistent way. Uh, Mm -hmm. very long words in very consistent ways. Um, I really like that. I really enjoy that way of, you know, going ahead and makes sense to me.
1: Yeah, it's very interesting, I find.
0: Okay, we're coming up to an hour. So, Chris, I want to thank you for the time that you have taken to come onto my podcast. And we're really looking forward to Language Book Club. And please tell me more about where people can find you on the internet.
1: Yeah, definitely. And thank you for having me. And I'm sure we'll have a great time at the Language Book Club. Um, Even if it's just you you and me, we'll definitely have a lot of fun. (laughs) (laughs) But uh, yeah, so the podcast is afpodcast.com. And you'll get into the, uh, there's a a player where you can see all the uh, episodes. And yeah, the website itself is actualfluency.com, which is the blog where I talk about being a lazy and useless language learner and possibly developing into Uh, mediocre or average language learner (laughs) Uh, it's a a very interesting journey and I I think that a lot of people can relate to being at least lazy I think a lot of people suffer from that so I blog about my struggles learning languages and and, uh, hopefully share some good tips and tricks on how to overcome that
0: fabulous okay well I'm just gonna say thank you and I think we've we've already thrown so much uh, things to click things to read things to consider <laughs> um, this has been a really rich and um, really interesting podcast and I'm just gonna thank you and give people a, a time to take it all in
1: <laughs> yeah listen to it twice maybe
0: maybe <laughs> that'd be awesome well with the time that I take in between podcasts I think you'll love that time yeah <laughs>
1: take a good time pro
0: tip listen to the podcast twice (laughs) okay well thank you very much chris and i'll say goodbye
1: goodbye and thank you for having me
0: yeah no problem you're welcome all right guys once again we are running long in the podcast i hope you really really enjoyed that interview with chris as much as i did as you can tell we had lots and lots of fun and he's a lovely lovely guy I love his attitude of just soaking up as much information as he can possibly get which is just amazing Um, I encourage you to go and visit patreon.com slash fluent language and check out all the different things we mentioned which I have duly put in the show notes for you and can't wait to see you guys at language book club and that's it episode 12 bye bye thanks for listening to the creative language learning podcast guys don't forget to subscribe and rate this podcast in itunes particularly if you enjoyed it and don't forget that you can also let me know what you think and you can email Kirsten, that's k-e-r-s-t-i-n at fluentlanguage.co.uk or you can follow me on twitter and it's simply fluentlanguage on there i'm really looking forward to hearing from you and i'll see you next time goodbye